Cinema Obscura. From KYW in Philadelphia, it's a look at movies that may not exactly be considered mainstream and perhaps had a limited run upon release, but certainly worth a look. This week, it's a look at a couple of movies that are, shall we say, a little higher up in the obscure movie food chain. Movies heavy into politics and other things. From 1979, the comedy thriller Winter Kills and 1983 psychic horror political feature The Dead Zone. I'm Steve Nikhazy, and I'm joined by independent Philadelphia filmmaker Andre Bennett. Andre, we're featuring some very watchable movies. Uh, one of them, definitely. The other, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that one. I think a lot of people may not be that familiar with the first movie that we're, we're doing here. And that was actually a suggestion from uh, a friend of ours. Yes, uh, a, uh, a listener of ours who I've been uh, communicating with via Twitter, and I appreciate all of you who uh, get in touch with me on social media, talk about these movies. Uh, of course, you can find me at Andre Bennett Go and use the hashtag Cinema Obscura PHL. I can find the conversation. You can find the conversation. We can all converse. This was a suggestion from our friend at Philly's Fever who warned me about a specific part of it (laughs) that I I can't say he didn't warn me. Mm. But this is a movie that I actually hadn't heard of either before Mm. uh, he suggested it. So, yeah. And the movie inspired by a talk of conspiracies and the JFK assassination, those will never go away. As Jeff Bridges plays the younger brother of a president shot and killed in Philadelphia, who seeks to unravel a plot, a movie that features a heavyweight cast. We're talking Winter Kills. It's funny because I feel like if this movie had come out 15 years later, it would have done a lot better because even though the conspiracy theories had always persisted, I don't think JFK conspiracy mania hit the mainstream until Oliver Stone's movie. Mm -hmm. So this was very ahead of its time in a way because it failed to kind of tap into that zeitgeist that the later movie did. And it said that there was pushback at the time by Senator Ted Kennedy on the release of this film. Uh, It happened in the thick of the race for president back then, of which he was a big player. It's fitting that a movie about the JFK conspiracy would also create its own conspiracies because, yeah, there was talk that Embassy Pictures was pressured to shelve the movie, so they kind of pulled it from theaters. It's funny because the producers of the movie, they were also responsible for importing the Emmanuel softcore erotica series to America. And one of them, I believe, was believed to have been killed by the mafia during production over outstanding debts. So this is a movie that had its own kind of troubled history. We seem to have uh, happened upon a few of those in the run of this series. Yeah, you know, you, you look at you look at the cast uh, and you think, well, why haven't I heard of this movie? There are five Oscar winners in this film and great performances. We think of uh, people like Richard Boone in this movie, Eli Wallach in this movie, Anthony Perkins and Sterling Hayden, who seems to channel his character from Dr. Strangelove in that, in that one particular scene. Yeah, I didn't quite recognize uh, Sterling Hayden with the beard, but mm-hmm. uh, he's in that one scene and he's uh, pretty much chewing all of that scenery. A lot of people, uh, Anthony Perkins really, towards the end, has a sequence where he just makes a meal out of the whole thing. And I actually loved that part. And John Houston, of course is in here just bowling everyone over, and he's quite the presence. You also have Jeff Bridges in here. You have Toshiro Mifune, who was a collaborator of uh, director Akira Kurosawa. Mifune was in The Seven Samurai, uh, Yojimbo, 
And here he's just playing John Huston's butler. There's <laughs> more people in here than they knew what to do with. Elizabeth Taylor shows yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. And says nothing. I think that was also probably a contractual issue. She doesn't even get a credit in the, in the beginning. No, she doesn't. But she shows up and it's this big uh, thing towards the end. You mentioned Eli Wallach. He's playing the Jack Ruby figure. Mm-hmm. Richard Boone. I didn't even recognize at first. I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's Paladin. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It, re- it reminded me how great it, it, it was to watch Richard Boone in, in those movies. And I'll probably go back and look at, at some more of his films after this. I only wish that this movie had, to me, worked out better because it's supposed to be a satire, but it the tone is weird because – and I know satire works best when everyone's playing it straight. But in this movie, it feels like there are different people in each scene going in their own directions. Like Jeff Bridges is kind of like this sad puppy throughout the whole thing and he's playing everything straight. But everyone else is just going in these increasingly gonzo <laughs> directions and it it just didn't quite gel for me. It's also structurally very episodic. And languorous in a way that you really kind of don't want to be if you're doing this taut conspiracy kind of thing. Even if it is a comedy, you're still sort of trying to play out the thriller rhythms. And when it first starts, it looks like it's going to be on some Three Days of the Condor stuff because you got that scene where he's outside City Hall and it's Philadelphia. Right. Which I love seeing. This is also one of the reasons I love Blowout so much. You know, movies shot around then Mm -hmm. that show what. Philadelphia looked like about 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, so, back back in the time when you actually did location shooting. Yeah, and and centering on the area around City Hall, uh, I was I was looking trying to to see familiar stuff from back then. You can see the Horn and Hard Art, the old yeah. across from City Hall out there. This is all so familiar, and yet at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand they ran into some problems while shooting in Philly. Uh, there was some kind of uh, problem, uh, union problems. People weren't getting paid, and the union was going to shut them down. And in fact, uh, I understand uh, uh, Jeff Bridges says some people are actually paid in cash during the Philadelphia shoot just to satisfy, uh, you know, all, all the pressure that was going on. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Now we have a clip from Winter Kills. Yeah, this is pretty early on in the movie. Jeff Bridges plays uh, Nick Keegan. Of course, he's in this uh, Kennedy-esque family. He's found out that his half-brother's death may have been the result of some kind of weird conspiracy. He's met the the supposed actual killer, and he's found the supposed actual murder weapon, which kind of slipped away when somebody killed everybody around him while he wasn't looking and stole the vehicle that he had been in with the rifle. So he goes to see his father, who is basically supposed to be Joe Kennedy, and... This is his father kind of coming to believe that something really is going on here. Winter kills. Come on, boy. Wake up. Got to get our ass in gear. What time is it? Time for action. I've been up all night. Talk to Kievitz and Brunei. Um, Looks like you were telling the truth. The truth, Pa, and your son. Well, you always had an excitable imagination. For a while, as a boy, I was afraid you might turn out to be a... You're a real winner, Pa. Kievitz is on his way here with that killer's confession. Then we go the limit to bust this thing wide open. You bring the confession to the president? Hell no. That moron can't read to find the men's room. We got a picture for him. Evidence. Find the rifle. The men behind this Fletcher and the man behind those men. Then we go to the president. This is bigger than we are, Pa. 
Uh, what the president will do is resurrect the Pickering Commission. Corpses to begin with. Well, you accepted that Willie Arnold acted alone. Sure as hell I did. Was I to point a finger at the Russians, the Cubans, some goddamn hoodlums or industrialists? Maybe throw us in a world war, civil war? Sure I accepted it. I got interests in this country. Interests in this country? Yeah, interests. But don't think I fell for the Arnold theory. I've been a hunter all my life. I know the best of them. The best have trouble with one shot of the kind that killed him, let alone three. And then Arnold getting it from Joe Diamond, the punk saloon keeper, while Arnold's handcuffed to a detective surrounded by 75 rookies. Well, that's what I mean, Pa. We need help in this. Help? Like who? The CIA? They smuggle my cigars from Havana. That's what they do. Import, export. And the FBI's good for chasing runaways. The FBI gave the commission its information in the first place, remember? This ain't the 40s anymore. It's a whole new ball game. We gotta be pioneers, son. We gotta face as we're alone in the wilderness. But we got what the pioneers had, all they had. The family. The family unit. God bless you, God damn it, with the best of families. My international vice president, John Sooty, has files of the high and mighty and low and ornery that make the CIA record look like a corner newsstand. Information's power, and now we're gonna use it to get to the bottom of this thing. Then we go to the president and Congress, as a family unit, and rub their noses in the dirt that killed my son. Now, get your ass out of that bed. John Houston uh, kind of uh, channeling his character from Chinatown. Yeah, he's really uh, just devouring every scene he's in, and I did enjoy that. It really kind of gets to, in the end, uh, whether you enjoy the performances, and there are many here that are worth enjoying, but as a whole, it didn't quite gel for me, although I really did like the – towards the end, this, the, this extended sequence with Anthony Perkins where it goes almost full like 70s parallax view style paranoid thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a sight to behold and I was kind of uh, almost sad that that scene ended. Yeah, and, and some of the dialogue is, is dated. There was an edit there. A talk, it was a gay yeah. slur and also an African-American slur. Uh, surfaces in the movie too yeah it's definitely of its time in some ways which is not great i really wanted to like it given the cast to me it's more of a curious sort of what if type movie for me Mm -hmm. but again if it had come out 15 years later it would have tapped into that jfk mania and i think if you're a local film buff you'll want to see it for the limited scenes shot in Philadelphia, that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and it's funny because Blowout, which was made around the same time, traffics in those same themes of government conspiracy, assassination. That movie, of course, takes place almost entirely in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and I love it to bits, and now I want to watch it again. Yeah, Market Street, <laughs> as you haven't seen it in a long, long time. Yes. Cinema Obscura. Next up, a school teacher drops into a post-auto accident coma for five years and wakes up to find he has the ability to learn the fate of people he touches by the hand in a movie that admittedly goes beyond cult film status, the 1983 Christopher Walken movie, The Dead Zone. Yeah, but I will accept any reason to rewatch The Dead Zone. <laughs> yeah, it really is a treat. And the Stephen King novel comes to life. I guess it was his first big hit. Uh. One of them, Carrie, was a was a big hit, and that, that was really the first one. Again, Brian De Palma, who mm-hmm. had done Blowout, did Carrie. This is by uh, a favorite of mine, David Cronenberg, 
And when I say a favorite of mine, it's a little weird because Cronenberg traffics a lot in body horror and more kind of gross-out stuff. Not so much for its own sake, but just, just to illustrate the, the his principal theme that our bodies really are kind of this wonderful, terrible thing that could rebel against us. So the Dead Zone also figures into that theme, although in this, he doesn't really go with the gore that he employed in Scanners and The Brood and later in The Fly. It's more of a mood and atmosphere, this feeling of dread that envelops the film and the viewer Mm -hmm. in ways I find captivating. Yeah, and there is really only just one graphic gore scene, and it doesn't last very long. No, not very long. A great performance, I should point out, by veteran actor Herbert Lom, who had just done comedy work in the Pink Panther films as Inspector Charles Dreyfus. Yeah, he's great in this movie as Johnny Smith's doctor. I would say great work across the board. Christopher Walken is amazing in this movie. Christopher Walken nowadays, you know, is very much a character actor, and he has that uh, delivery that lends itself to, to parody, but... Watching a movie like this where he's in the center of it and just anchoring it with that delivery but also with a sort of empathy, he's kind of off-putting in ways that are just riveting. To me, Christopher Walken is kind of of that mold as Peter Weller and Jeff Goldblum. Their stuff kind of calcified into character-ish work later Mm -hmm. on but – that period in the 80s where you just had these offbeat leading men, it was pretty great. We don't have that now. We don't really have people who are sort of weird, but they're magnetic. Yeah, who can actually pull off a scene, multiple scenes like that. I'm thinking of one scene in which he is accused of being Satan, and he has this yes. cold stare back, and you're thinking, well, maybe he is. <laughs> yeah, Walken in this movie, he's the anchor. When I first saw it, I enjoyed it. But I had trouble finding the emotional through line. Rewatching it again, especially after Winter Kills, I thought this is a movie that's also episodic, but in a way that really lends itself well because it helps if you don't think of it as a thriller so much as a drama. It's about Johnny Smith. It's about how he comes to accept his nature and his purpose. And when you look at it that way as sort of almost kind of like – this ersatz coming of age, it really kind of makes the narrative stronger. Mm-hmm. But it's across the board just a wonderful movie. We should talk about Martin Sheen. He, oh my he chews up all the scenes that, that he's in. He would actually, of course, go on to play the role of the president in future work. Yeah, his Greg Stilson seems pretty coked out. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the book actually goes into more detail about his character – Uh, The book actually kind of has their lives portrayed in parallel, and one of the best things Cronenberg did in this movie was trim that fat. Uh, King actually reportedly liked the changes and edits and cuts that Cronenberg ultimately made. He felt that it strengthened and streamlined the narrative, and I agree. You you get enough of Martin Sheen here. When he comes in, he he comes in like a tornado. He does. (laughs) And he's this blustery politician – you get the sense that something is wrong with him, but I like that they delayed the big reveal. Like when you first see him and he shakes Walken's hand and uh, Walken's character, Johnny Smith, his powers are triggered by physical contact. He shakes his hand, but he puts a campaign button in his hand so they don't actually 
right, touch right. until much later on. I hadn't thought of that yes. before. But yeah, that that's true. That was kind of a buffer. So he couldn't actually see into the future with his character. Yeah, they delay that reveal. And Cronenberg yeah. uh, is the master of that sort of delay and building of tension. When I can stomach the movies because I can get a little squeamish, I really enjoy his stuff like Videodrome, History of Violence. Mm-hmm. This is to me, one of his standouts. And the way he kind of builds the threat of Stilson is just really good. We have a clip from The Dead Zone. We do. Uh, at some point, Johnny Smith becomes a uh, private tutor because his powers are publicly known and it's messing up his life. So he becomes this reclusive tutor and he meets this uh, boy whose father hires him to tutor him and try to draw him out of his shell. As he does so, he sees a very grim vision of what might happen to this boy later on down the line. So he goes to the boy's father to try to prevent it. From the dead zone. I got to talk to you. Hi, Johnny. What is this? What are you doing? Pretty good stuff, huh? I organized a hockey team for Chris and some of his friends. Huh, Chris? We have our first practice this afternoon. You are looking at the coach. Call it off. Take that stuff in the garage, okay? There's going to be an accident. Call it off. Call it off. What for? Chris has been looking forward to this all week, huh? He's really coming out of his shell, John. Wait. I got to talk to you. <laughs> Have a little nourishment, and then we'll hit the out. No, no, listen to me. Call it off. There's going to be an accident. Call it off. We're ridiculous. We always get on that pond until March. What the hell is the matter with you? You want to kill your own son? I'm scared, Dad. For Christ's sake, John. Don't be scared. Just go eat your cookies. Don't you know who I am? Of course I know who you are. You think I'd have you come into my son's life without checking you out? But I hired you for your abilities as a teacher, not as a fortune teller. Now, don't give me any arguments. The ice is going to break! Wow. <laughs> That's that walk and delivery there. <laughs> it is. No doubt about it. A movie that pops up often on cable, so it's fairly easy to find. It is, and you can also find it uh, on uh, the digital rental services. It's available on DVD and, I believe, Blu-ray. Not to be confused with the later television series starring Anthony Michael Hall as Johnny Smith. That ran for about six seasons. It was it was fine. Also, Winter Kills, uh, going back to where that can be found, it's available currently on Amazon Prime. Winter Kills and The Dead Zone. Andre, as always, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Cinema Obscura. And I'm Steve Nicasey along with Andre Bennett. Cinema Obscura is recorded and produced in the KYW studios in Philadelphia. For more shows, check out the new radio.com app on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for listening. The missiles are flying. Hallelujah.